Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about how our economy depends on the printing of money. Let's put this in perspective. The fortunes of entire industries rest on whether governments around the world are going to print a virtually unlimited amount of money in order to get the economy back on track. The political impasse in Washington over how much to spend and for how long on unemployment benefits is a case in point. The Bureau of Labor and Statistics published data that more than two-thirds of those who are receiving unemployment benefits are making more money in unemployment benefits than when they were employed. Why would they want to go back to work? The unemployment benefit is breeding dependence, and many politicians see the need to cut the benefits to incent people to go back to work. Canada has traditionally been among the more liberal countries when it comes to social programs. Here, too, the government has announced they will be terminating the emergency relief benefit for employees and transitioning them to the predecessor employment insurance program, which has a finite period of 14 weeks for recipients to get a check. We know that the unlimited money printing can't last forever, and at the same time, the printing of money has created such a dependence it will be difficult for governments to stop. In the U.S., there's about 32 million people out of work as a result of the pandemic. Some are saying that because rehiring took place in May and the unemployment rate improved, perhaps more aid from Congress isn't needed. Of the 32 million workers who are either officially unemployed or otherwise out of work, only 14.8 million, or roughly 45% of them, can reasonably expect to be called back to a prior job. That leaves 17.6 million, or 54.5%, who cannot. The economic damage falls into two categories, temporary damage and permanent damage. Temporary damage happens when a business is forced to close temporarily. A dental practice might be a good example. The reception staff and the dental hygienists would be on a temporary layoff, but they would still be considered employed, but not at work. They would be collecting unemployment benefits during the furlough, but it's reasonable to expect that a dental practice will continue when allowed to reopen. Permanent damage happens when a business that's been operating for decades closes its doors permanently. These jobs are gone and they're not coming back. Lord and Taylor just filed for bankruptcy this week. This iconic department store that started in New York City may not emerge from bankruptcy. It's too soon to tell. You can't just assume that the salesman selling men's suits at Lord & Taylor can now go get a job at an Amazon fulfillment center because that's where the retail jobs have moved. The real problem is not whether governments in the U.S., Canada, Europe will print money or not. The big issue is whether the U.S. dollar will lose its reserve currency status. Right now, the Federal Reserve is doing what it can to maintain the reserve currency status. There's a list of 15 countries that the U.S. lends money to through the swap lines program. and These are managed by the Fed. These lines of credit are typically 30 days in duration, and friendly countries to the U.S. have the privilege of rolling over the loan for another 30 days. The Fed has permanent swap line agreements with the Bank of Canada, the Bank of England, the Bank of Japan, the European Central Bank, and the Swiss National Bank. But when interest rates hit rock bottom in March, that list of countries was expanded by nine countries on a temporary basis to include Australia, Brazil, South Korea, Mexico, Singapore, Sweden, Denmark, Norway, and New Zealand. And they have access to a combined total of $450 billion. Note which countries are not on the list. Cash-strapped Argentina is not on the list, nor is Russia or China. None of the Pacific Rim countries like Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia. At what point do those countries who don't get a free loan from the Fed turn to China or Russia for financial or military assistance. There's a game of geopolitical chess underway, 
and it involves buying loyalty from friendly allies to the tune of $450 billion in the last few months. I've been saying for a while that when money's coming off the printing presses, it's not being distributed in a uniform or in a fair way. And we tend to think of Congress having the power of the purse. But when it comes to the spending of money, that's true. When it comes to the lending of money and the creation of money, this can be done with near zero political oversight. Now, normally, the Treasury makes an allocation of funds under the direction of the federal government, which means an act of Congress or the Senate, or both. But if the Treasury doesn't have the money, then it goes to the Fed to borrow the funds. If the Fed isn't willing to carry that debt on its balance sheet, then the Treasury issues bonds called Treasury bills and aims to sell those bonds in the open market. In an environment of economic damage, tax revenues will be down at every level of government, federal, state, and local. The pandemic is global, so the global buyers for Treasury bills is also reduced. They don't want to raise interest rates to make those bonds more attractive, so for the time being, the Fed is willing to buy all that debt, including the newly minted dollars that are being loaned to 15 countries with no oversight. Meanwhile, the political impasse persists, whether to give ordinary citizens who've lost their jobs a few hundred dollars a week. I don't envy those in government. They've got a near-impossible task. One thing is for sure. Putting your wealth in hard assets that are not specifically tied to the rapidly devaluing dollar is a good bet. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.